let me talk a little uh, about uh, uh, American liberty and American equality uh, generally. Now, historians are always looking for ways to define historical periods in as few words as possible. You know, a sentence, a phrase, uh, even a word. Uh, the age of the common man. The era of good feelings. The age of Jackson. The Gilded Age. But what I do, or what I try to do, is I look not for one phrase or word, but conflicts between Americans about words, about definitions of words. So I see the conflict between Americans uh, uh, about the definition of words as central to uh, the study of American history and the shaping of American history as a whole. And I see uh, American history uh, during the 19th and the 20th century, for that matter, uh, as being defined by, as I mentioned before, the ongoing argument between various groups of Americans as to what two very simple words, deceptively simple words, actually mean. What does liberty or freedom mean? And as I said, I'll use those words interchangeably. And what does equality mean? Now, you can't capture all of American history uh, uh, in the 19th century uh, by examining the ways in which Americans defined uh, these two words. I don't think any two words of any kind could capture all of American history. But you can see a lot and find out a lot from those arguments over what these words meant. The argument over the word freedom and the argument over the word equality can explain, to a large extent, slavery, the Civil War, Reconstruction. It can explain the growth of the market economy in America. It can explain the women's rights movement in America, the settlement of the West, industrialization, the growth of the national state, in other words, it can explain, or start to explain, a great deal. Now let me be a little more specific about liberty and equality. Let me start with liberty. Let me start with liberty or freedom. How have Americans, or how did Americans, define freedom in the 19th century? Well, for some, freedom meant government should just leave them alone. We'll be talking about the Jeffersonians in this course. Jeffersonian agrarian Republicans. I don't mean Republicans uh, like today, with a large R, uh, Republicans with a small R. People who were rural, who were agricultural, who were suspicious of a strong national government, a strong central state, who wanted to be left alone. Well, that's one definition of freedom. The Jacksonian Democrats in the 1820s and 1830s and beyond also were very, very suspicious of government and wanted it to leave them alone and define the word freedom in those terms. Small farmers in the South, we'll be talking about them as well. People who were known as yeomen, uh, that is Y-E-O-M-E-N, uh, small, poor farmers, not the big, you know, gone with the wind plantation farmers, you know, the small farmers. They also, very isolated, 
wanted to be left alone. Freedom for them was being left alone. And southern planters themselves, the gone with the wind types, uh, uh, before the Civil War, uh, were also in this category of defining freedom as government just leaving you alone. Now, for others, freedom meant uh, the right of individuals to achieve personal and uh, material success and the government intervening to help them to do this. So for these other groups of Americans, uh, freedom meant government helping them. A good example of this is the Whig Party at WHIG, uh, a party that opposed the Democrats in the 1830s, 1840s, and 1850s. For the Whigs, government was a friend, not an enemy. Henry Clay, perhaps the greatest of the Whigs, put forth what he called the American system. And under the American system, the federal government would give aid to what he called internal improvements. It would build roads. It would build canals. It would grant money to companies that wanted to build railroads so they could build the railroads. Uh, 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 There would be a national bank that the government could control. So for these people, like the Whigs, the idea of liberty meant government intervening to help people, not getting out of the way. And to a large extent, uh, 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 the Republican Party, which grew in part out of the Whig Party in the 1850s and beyond, also has this philosophy, that it's government's job to help businesses and help people make money because that will build up uh, uh, the United States. Republicans course, during the Civil War extended the idea of liberty to liberating actual individuals. Then, still other people, Southern planters, for example, define the word freedom as their freedom to own other people. You know, that seems to be almost illogical today, from obviously from our standpoint, but there were many people in the South, many Southerners, who said their idea of freedom, their definition of freedom, was their freedom to have slaves. That was how they defined freedom. Now, during the 19th century, Americans generally disagreed uh, over whether freedom meant freedom from something or freedom to do something. And I would characterize this as arguments over negative liberty and positive liberty. Negative freedom and positive freedom. To illustrate, if you look at the first 11 amendments to the Constitution, uh, it's an example of what what I would call negative liberty. Because it restrains the government, restrains the federal government especially, from doing certain things. It tells them that they cannot do certain things. Congress shall make no law to abridge the freedom of, of speech. You know, uh, uh, The right to whatever, you know, bear arms, it shall not be infringed. So that's an idea of negative freedom, negative liberty, uh, what the government cannot do. Freedom from something. But then, after the Civil War, if you look at the next series of amendments, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. Uh, The 13th Amendment, uh, which was passed in 1865, abolishing slavery. The 14th Amendment, uh, which was passed in 1868, or ratified in 1868, which uh, guaranteed the equal protection of the laws to all Americans. Uh, And the 15th Amendment, passed in 1870, which guaranteed the right to vote. Uh, uh, This is an example of what we might call positive liberty the right to do something, the right to be free. 
the right to vote, the right to be equally protected by the laws. And, in fact, some Americans opposed the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments after the Civil War for this very reason, because freedom to them was getting government out of their lives, negative liberty, not putting government in their lives, form of positive liberty. And, of course, we can see echoes of this debate over what liberty, what freedom means, uh, even today. Uh, uh, it's an ongoing question in American life. It's, to a large extent, what divides people who consider themselves conservatives from people who consider themselves liberals. And now, take equality, the word equality. What did that word mean to Americans? Well, during the 19th century, you can see similar disagreements starting uh, between Americans over the word equality. For some, equality meant more or less an equal equality of result uh, uh, in America. Most people with the similar life outcomes, uh, the same life outcomes. Jeffersonian Republicans, who I referred to a bit earlier, they're in this, uh, uh, they're in this philosophy. They believe that, for the most part, there shouldn't be a huge, you know, uh, vast extremes of wealth in America. Maybe some uh, rich people, maybe some poor people, but for the most part, people earning generally the same amount uh, of money. Uh, Jacksonians, uh, uh, followers of Andrew Jackson in the 1830s and 40s are pretty much uh, 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 these kinds of people as well. Uh, also, labor reformers in the 1880s and 1890s, uh, 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 people who belong to the larger uh, uh, labor organizations during that time, the American Federation of Labor, the Knights of Labor. Uh, we'll be talking about Eugene V. Debs. We'll actually be hearing a report on him. Uh, uh, these are people who basically define the word equality as something, uh, an idea that permitted rough equivalence of outcome in people's lives. But then, for others, equality meant an opportunity uh, to become unequal in wealth and in achievement. Uh, a good example of this, uh, coming back to the Whigs again, the Whig Party in the 1830s and 1840s. Uh, uh, they believed that government should help people get rich, but that if some people got really rich and other, people's did, other people did not get all that rich, that it wasn't a terrible thing, it wasn't a bad thing. I think the Jacksonian Democrats who opposed them felt differently uh, about this. Certainly, after the Civil War, the Republican Party, which became more and more associated with big business, was certainly of this philosophy, that extremes of wealth in the United States were not necessarily a bad thing as long as the system was fair, as long as you had an equal opportunity to become unequal. And of course, that is a big question after the Civil War. So these other Americans believed that the definition of equality was equality of opportunity, but not equality of result. And then there were still other Americans uh, most specifically the Federalists uh, of the 1790s, and we'll be talking about them next time, the disciples of Alexander Hamilton, uh, people who may not have really believed in equality as we understand it at all, but a hierarchy, an aristocracy of merit, if you will, composed of the best people who make decisions for everyone. And Alexander Hamilton, who is uh, Washington's first Secretary of the Treasury and the, uh, uh, one of the major architects of the financial system of the United States, which is now in such disarray, uh, uh, is a good example of this. Uh, Hamilton is not really a Democrat at all. 
He will tolerate elections. Uh, 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 he never, never really runs in any elections, but uh, he basically wants the experts, the best people, the smartest people, including him, of course, to be running the country. And then there's the question of how you define equality in the first place. How do you just define the word? What do we mean by it? Is it political equality, which is equal protection of the laws, but that's it? No further, uh, uh, no further equality, nothing farther than just being equally protected under the law. Everybody can vote. Is it economic equality, which is uh, equal incomes or roughly equal incomes, roughly equal uh, uh, outcomes in life? Is it social equality, meaning uh, there's no social hierarchy, no people are considered to be higher born uh, than others who are lower born, uh, no privileging between racial groups or ethnic groups in everyday life? Well, Americans don't agree about this either. And they're arguing about the definitions of equality and, and, and whether it means political equality or social equality or economic equality or combinations of all three. So... In a sense, Americans during the 19th century are disagreeing about what kind of equality they are even disagreeing about. We'll see some Americans in the 19th century uh, uh, argue that equality means treating everyone exactly the same. And others arguing that the only way to get equality would be to treat some Americans differently from other Americans. And still others arguing that there cannot and should not be equality in America at all. That America is a competitive, individualist society where people, by definition, will reach different levels of achievement. And this is not necessarily a bad thing and it is actually a good thing. So what we'll see during this course, in short, is a host of definitions of freedom and equality Many contradictory, pushing and competing against each other, sometimes hidden beneath the surface of the history of this period, and sometimes open and right at the surface of that history, open, raw, and brutal at the surface of American history. And it will be our jobs, your job and my job, to use these various definitions and various understandings of equality and freedom in America as signposts as we try to make our way through this fascinating, uh, uh, at times heartbreaking, uh, but truly momentous period in the United States, the 19th century. And we'll start that work on Monday. <laughs>